0: What's going on everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in and I'm going to push really hard. You guys got to go and subscribe to the podcast. If you listen and you haven't subscribed yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. That's how I know you're listening and it's the best way for you to get updates on new episodes and uh, it helps me get this out in front of other people. It's how these algorithms work. If you subscribe and you review and you share with other people, then Apple and Spotify and Pandora and Stitcher and all the places that you can find this podcast. It recommends it to more people and uh, it grows the community and I appreciate it a ton. So make sure you do that and uh, share this stuff with a friend. Find an episode that you think your friends will like. Tell them about this cool new podcast that you listen to and uh, leave a review if you can. Engage. Come on. I want to hear from you guys. My guest today is a pedicab driver from Austin, Texas and uh, he also has a podcast called Convos from the Petty Cab." I met him through a mutual friend, Zach Moore, who has been a guest on this podcast four or five times, and 10th uh, Planet guy from Austin. Alex is a very interesting fella. He is a former boxer, wrestler. He does jiu but he's very politically active. He ran for office in the city of Austin, I believe for the council or something of that nature. And uh, his convos with his convos in the Pedicab podcast really spends a lot of time talking with local uh, politicians. And he's really plugged in and knows a lot about what's going on both locally and nationally. And he holds some really interesting positions. We started right off um, talking about Zoom and China and how Uh, Zoom is controlled by potentially some Chinese interests. And I almost didn't get Alex on the podcast because when I sent him my Zoom link, because, yeah, oh, cat's out of the bag. I used Zoom to record the podcast. He kind of was not feeling it. So uh, I do appreciate him coming on. And we talked about that right out of the gate. And we talked about a whole host of other things. We talked about politics nationally. And uh, he, he had a lot of great perspective on things. And I used to talk a whole lot about, Politics, we've gotten away from it. This one was uh, a good one. And I think no matter how you feel about everything that's going on, um, this conversation is one that you'll probably enjoy. So give it up for my guest, Alex Stranger. But before we enjoy the episode, make sure you go to drinkaction.com. That's action spelled with a K. Sign up for a subscription to coffee and natural supplements. You'll save 20%. And if you use the code word curious, you'll get an extra 15% off as well. And for the month of October, if you buy any bottle of active, which is turmeric and hemp, it's combination of CBD with curcumin from the turmeric root. It's great for anti-inflammation and joint health and just overall health and well being. Uh, some of you might know I've had some gut problems and Active has been a huge help for me. I talked about it on a post that I put up on Instagram where I kind of showed the transformation. I credit it to being able to give me the ability to get my ass back to things because uh, inflammation in my body had really taken over. Uh, We also have fuel. And so if you buy Active or Fuel, which is an MCT bomb, you can purchase a second for 50% off. So make sure you go to drinkaction.com. If you haven't tried the specialty roast coffee, I'm telling you, Order some. Doesn't matter if you need it in a whole bean because you're a coffee connoisseur, or you're like uh my friend Brian, who is a K cup guy and swears by K cups, can't get him to drink anything else. We got you covered. Dark roast to light roast, doesn't matter. And a soon-to-come mushroom blend, which guys, I'm telling you, you gotta get on this mushroom blend. It's uh it's pretty fucking crazy. The energy and endurance that it gives you. Go to drinkaction.com, code word curious, coffee, natural supplements, and even some new apparel. Thanks for checking it out and enjoy this episode. So just to kind of like get this thing going, um, I got introduced to you through a mutual friend who, by the way, he's been on this show four times and he'll be on four more times if he doesn't get thrown away somewhere. Um, Yeah, Zach's the man, dude. We're going to be in the same re-education camp together. It's going to be great. We might be roommates (laughs) in the gulag. Most definitely. And, you know, I, I reached out to you and I do this show via zoom and, you were a little hesitant and we talked a little bit about wanting to, to chat about this. So, you know, get, I, I really do want to get into this because we share very similar viewpoints on it. I just, you know, I guess I've kind of surrendered myself to certain things and maybe I've been a little naive to that.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm using Zoom right now and I had a Zoom account last year when I ran for a uh, council in Austin that I had to use for forums. And I thought I like got rid of it completely, but then I just realized that I still have it. I just haven't used it in a year. And I'm, I'm going to get rid of it or do what I can to get rid of it once this episode ends. Uh, because I don't think that's a platform that you should be using or I should be using or anyone who enjoys living in America should be using. Um, you have a company that's founded by somebody who is very much, who very much has strong allegiance to the CCP. And their entire um, development team pretty much is based in China. And they, um, the Chinese government specifically states that in order to, like, be able to use the platform while you're in China, you have to follow Chinese law specifically. And we all know what that means. Um, during the Tiananmen Square massacre, they had an anniversary of this last year. And they were interrupting broadcasts and kicking people off the app because they were trying to commemorate what happened in Tiananmen Square back in the 1980s you know they were throwing people off the uh, off the app they were like showing hardcore pornography while people were trying to like um conduct this meeting like this is not a um this is not a company and if you're going to host stuff like this is not a company that you should feel that you should be safe that you should feel safe and comfortable using
0: i think there's two things that you should think about right because i've been narrow-minded in the sense where my thought process was like hey if somebody really wants to get my information, they're going to get it. And so the security and privacy concerns, albeit real, I didn't really take as impactful enough on my life. But what I think I missed, as especially we're having this conversation, is just the support of it allows for more things to be accepted. And I think it's kind of almost a a, of eerie similarity to kind of everything else that's going on in society where a lot of people might not necessarily be okay with things, but they allow it to go on because it's just easier to move about in day-to-day life. And all it does is continue to create an environment for more of this shit to fester. Is that fair? Yeah,
1: yeah, it it is. And people shouldn't even be using TikTok either because that's another app that literally gives... You're giving away all of your data to the Chinese government. This is a country that hates you, like that hates us, right? This is a country that literally wants to overtake us and destroy us. So they can be the number one power in the entire world. And we're just giving them our shit constantly. Do you know insane. what I mean? No,
0: a hundred percent.
1: It's not something that we should be doing, right? Like that's, that's my take on it. Um, and also they, they like literally just had to pay out $85 million to a bunch of users uh, because their data was being encrypted to Facebook and Google and all types of other platforms without their consent in any capacity.
0: You've got me thinking. I mean, I I think it's fair to say that before. Give me give me twenty give me twenty more episodes and I'm going to re-platform. You've already twenty sold more. Me. All right, you've sold me.
1: Hopefully I mean, could you use
0: Skype or something like that? Like, yeah, I've got to figure it out. I mean, it's. I think. Overall, I've actually had a couple of companies, one um, Streamcast maybe reached out to me about using their platform and it's like video as well as kind of like editing software that's all kind of included. So you can like pre-set up your frames and all that stuff. So when you're recording, it just kind of allows you to stream live, which I don't stream live and I do all the editing, the little bit of editing from a video standpoint, I do it all on my own but I do pretty
1: much a lot of stuff my own too. So I understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's, I mean, you get it, man. It can be a little time consuming, but I, um, I don't know. I thought about moving over there. It's just the, all the different like fucking feeds into this and that and hosting it's, it's more of the burden of untangling that ball of yarn that I've kind of let get away from me over the last How much, how much
1: are they going to, how much are they offering you to use their platform? What are they offering you to use that?
0: They were offering it to me at no cost. So um, I think it's only like a 20 or $30 pro license for it. And then, you know, you can get up charges throughout it, but they're going to give me an opportunity to use it for no cost as long as, cause I think they they have their logo somewhere on the uh, border of whatever you're using, but they see it as an opportunity. I'm sure to, you know, just show other podcasters their capabilities Used to really, do that. Yeah. I mean, zoom's not built for this. It was, it was the easy button for me. I mean, I don't know. You probably don't know this, but before I started this podcast, I did one with my brother, and it was all on location, kind of similar in a way. I mean, I know you, and I want to talk about what you do with convos in the pedicab. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was called the Bud Brothers, and we had a lot of interests going on in the cannabis space, and so we were just having on-site location conversations with different people in the weed industry, and it was a lot of fun, but then the whole fucking stay in your house shit happened and I got bored and was like, I got to talk to people and I had a zoom account through my day job and was like, I'm going to just start using this to talk to people. And it just kind of grew from there. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just continued
1: talking to people and doing what I was normally doing, you know, you know, the whole time. Right. So, yeah. but I understand like this whole stay at home stuff made people lose their minds. completely. It really made people like lose their mental health, like their their grasp on reality in a very scary type of way. you know.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I mean, so I, I gotta say you're sit, so you're sitting somewhere in Austin right now. Where are you at? exactly? Well, I'm actually in
1: San Marcos. I'm in San Marcos. Cause I went, um, kayaking earlier today. And I, um, they, I think that some of the guys are still probably on the river, but I told, I told the person who owns the kayak shop that I'm like, Hey man, I got a podcast. I got to be somewhere at like, I told him I had to be somewhere at like six thirty because I know how people, I know how pedicab pedicab time is. I know how, I know San Marcos is a lot more laid back than Austin the concept of time and doing things promptly is not on the same level here. And it's not a bad thing. That's good. It means that life is a lot more laid back, and dialed down and much more stress free. And that's obvious. That's something that people should aspire to live in terms of their quality of life. But I also knew that. So I just said, yeah, I gotta be, I gotta get out of here at six.
0: Dude, you're the man, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's cool. It's, honestly, I, as much as you might not realize it, hearing you say that, that you took it, Uh, you took it serious enough to have a conversation with me that you were like, Hey, I want to make sure that I have time. I'm usually getting the, Hey man, five more minutes. I promise I'll be there. Hey, you know what? Can we actually do this tomorrow? Um, I forgot I had some things lined up with family, you know, always the, the, no, I try to do my best to keep my obligation,
1: man, especially doing what I'm doing. I know how frustrating it is that people flake out on you. Um, and I used to be a personal trainer back, back um, when I grew up in New York before I like moved to Austin. And I used to hate when clients canceled on me and did all that stuff because you, you make your whole schedule around another human being and then they like just don't give a shit about what you're doing and then they just bounce, right? Like it's so fr- – like I, I don't like doing that to people because it's been done to me enough, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, so what what is your story? So you're are you, you're you an East Coast guy,
1: I take it? Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in New York, man.
0: Which part? Uh, Riverdale, Bronx. Okay. And what's your background there? Like what did you get into and why would you end up moving to Texas?
1: Uh, so I had a psych degree from uh, the state university of New York at Binghamton and I was a pretty like mediocre student. I went to a really small high school, like 300 kids in the school, like less than that. Right. Um, and so I was pretty sheltered. Like I I grew up in a a big city, but I also had like a sheltered upbringing in that big city. Right. If that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so I went to college and I'm like, holy shit, there's like fucking girls everywhere. I could like, there's everyone smoking weed. Like I can go out to these parties, like four nights, three, four nights a week, like, I took advantage of it um, a lot more than I thought I was going to take advantage of it. And so, uh, you know, grades weren't that good. I wasn't really very focused. I didn't really have like much ambition, or you know, but I stayed in school because I just thought that that was like the only socially acceptable thing you're supposed to do. And I didn't really have a plan as to what I was going to do when I left. So I, you know, finished up, graduated like with a C average or C plus average. And then I had a personal training certification. I just became a health club trainer. Um, for a while I was pretty mediocre at it I wasn't any I wasn't like great or that good at that job um and then I had you know done jiu-jitsu in college on and off just for fun um and like a few years into training I just decided that I wanted to like do golden gloves and box right and like um uh, after I did golden gloves and started like actually like taking fights I uh some like light bulb like a light bulb went off in my head right and I just started uh Well, I basically got like a whole new sense of like self-confidence just because I realized how like much work it takes to do what I was doing. And I also realized that this is not what I actually want to do. And I'm not like good enough as a fighter to really make this a career. So, um, you better like actually start, uh, you know, taking life a little more seriously because this grind and getting yelled at constantly and all this stuff that comes and getting hit in the face and doing all that stuff is like, um, not something that I want to deal with. Right. Um, and so after I did golden gloves, I I started working a lot harder and and I became like a lot better, like training people. And I started actually making real money and all that stuff. Right. And then, um, a year or so into it, I just wasn't into, it. I didn't really love doing it. I I only enjoyed really working out if I had something to get ready for and not just working out for the sake of working out. And so I got all burnt out in it, but I had some money and I visited Austin and I was pretty happy. And I felt a lot more clear headed. Like I never really liked New York too much. And so I just moved. Um, uh, and then got a job like at has an school program and started working with little kids. Um, and then I just found pedicabbing like six months into moving to Austin. And then I just tried to do a whole bunch of stuff in Austin. I tried to be a school teacher. Uh, that didn't work. Um uh, I can't imagine
0: uh, you working for the, for the Austin intermediate school district. Independent, oh my God. Or is it independent school district? The ISD? Austin independent
1: school district. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's your, what's your take on all that? Because just from the outside, I mean, I know Zach, the last time he was on was telling me about these pronoun pins that they were sending kids home with that are in grade school. So I, I don't know about that. I haven't done this in a while, but let me
1: talk. let me talk to you about te- about being um, about teaching though. This is, this is, this is great that we brought this up. All right. So I, um, got into this program when I, when I first went to Austin, I got into this program. It was called like region 13 and it was a way to get an alternative certification to be a school teacher. And I was like, holy shit, I can actually put a college degree to use and actually get a job that requires a degree, which is, it would make me feel like I didn't waste four years of my life trying to, you know, go to school for no reason, right? So I did that, did everything I was supposed to do. Um, did my, like, fucking murdered my student teaching assignment. Like, the teacher I was working with, like, loved me. The kids all loved me. Uh, I got good recommendations. And I had, like, 10 plus different interviews. And I prepared really well for them. I, like, was going to offer different like jobs and different things for the kids to do to make it so they can like learn basic like life and social skills so they can like handle being an actual adult like I really just wanted to teach like kids in the ghetto how to read like that's really what I wanted to do and I was like oh my god I'm gonna have purpose to do something meaningful right and I never got hired and nobody ever told me why I didn't get hired um and so after all of that stuff happened I just figured well I'm still a sub in the district I started subbing I'm not going to take this as seriously. Um, And then, you know, then, then like a a little while went on, I decided to get back more like back into jiu-jitsu and like fighting and stuff like that. And I got an MMA fight. And then uh, a whole bunch of other stuff happened. Right. Which you could talk about later, but the, 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 the point of the matter is like AISD is a joke. It's a joke. So I, um, I, my first year I was, I wanted to be like a model. I wanted to be like the Michael Jordan of like teaching kids. So I showed up early. I, I planned out lessons. I did everything that you're supposed to be doing. Right. And then once I didn't get hired, um, and it just, and, um, the, the program just wanted more money from me to like, so that I can maybe try again next year. I kind of got a different perspective. So I started like waking up at like 10 o'clock in the morning and taking jobs at like the last minute. Um. And, uh, um, so I would like get to work at like 1030, leave at like 430, still get paid for a full day's worth of work. And people were just like, so happy to see me because nobody wanted to come in and actually teach these kids in any capacity. And so I would just literally like go to work and like watch Jiu videos, like learn about the stock market. Like back then I would go on Tinder and like look, swipe right and stuff, trying to meet chicks and whatnot, you know? And I just, it was the easiest, like hundred dollars a day you could ever make in your life. You know, like there was the, the. the working in the school system was was an absolute joke um and you know whenever i did try to like actually teach the kids something it was always like the kids would like talk shit to me or like some teacher might complain because i didn't like what i was saying or how i was saying things but then when i just like did nothing and told the kids to just have a seat and be quiet and looked at my phone i got like praised more and asked to come back more the less i did
0: it's unbelievable you know it's unbelievable it's wonder i wonder why like I I guess it goes with everything. The whole fucking pandemic response, masks, vac- vaccinations, same with schools, right? At some point parents have the ability if everybody banded together and was like we we're not doing it this way anymore. Like I think even before all this shit, schools and the way they're set up are just they're they're set up to create factory workers. I mean, that's legitimately how schools are set up to create an orderly factory worker. They don't teach about entrepreneurship. They don't teach about a whole lot of free thinking. It's about how to follow directions and how to work as though you were in a job. And that was what was beneficial back in the 40s and the 50s when they needed that type of skill to come out the other end of the sausage machine. Well, but
1: but, so now, sorry to interrupt you. So now they're they're teaching kids to become compliant and obedient to fascism that's, that's, that's what they're doing. Um, so I, I stopped working in Austin, in Austin school district back in like the end of 2017. Um, and I, I started working in like Hayes County and I was doing that up until COVID hit. Right. Um, and I remember one of the thing I remember this one lesson that I, I taught these kids and I, I got this worksheet that I was going to give to the kids. And I, I thought this was going to be another chill day where I wasn't going to do much of anything. And I got this worksheet, They got this worksheet that basically said, you know, kids who graduate from college are um uh, earn, earn like on average, like million a million dollars, a million dollars more in their lifetime than people who don't go to college. And I basically, I, I like just dismantled that argument. I was like, listen, I want you to read this out loud right now. That is bullshit. Do you guys know what student debt is? Do you know what interest is? Do you understand that? Like,
0: My wife and I just had this conversation. She was looking at some of the student loans that she still is paying on. And one of them, she's like, how is it possible? I've been out of school for 10 years and I'm just like now getting underneath what I initially borrowed. And it's been, the loan's been sold off to like three different companies. And I mean, when you think about this, it's all a gigantic mill to make money. How is it, how is it that, you know, somebody can go and be forced into these things? It starts even with your guidance counselor pushing you to, you know, hey, apply here pay your your application fee to go and have the ability to take out more loans that you'll never get to pay back at a job that you're going to make, you know, hardly enough money to survive on everybody who I know who's making good money for the most part is not in the confines of the system. They aren't college graduates who then went to the corporate gig and worked. I mean, a few of them have been successful that way. And it's, you know, good for them. Justin, do you want to know a fun fact about
1: um, the majority, like about millionaires? Yeah. Over one third of of all millionaires make less than a hundred thousand a year in their life, like make less than a hundred K a year. Think about that. Over one third of the entire millionaire population in the United States makes less than a hundred grand a year.
0: You there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm just trying to compute that.
1: Yeah. So what does that say? Like the whole thing that they tell you, like, Hey, go to college, get this degree work this corporate job. So you can have money and financial stability and success is a lie. That is like, that is such a gigantic misinformation campaign. And that should be censored on Facebook more than like the stuff that the fact checkers call, you know, misinformation.
0: Well, think about it, right? It's perpetuated by people that need more of those workers to come and fit into their systems. Right. I mean, yeah. People like Jeff Bezos don't want a whole lot of other people like Jeff Bezos out there.
1: Fuck no, because then you
0: don't have as much, you don't monopolize things.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, they don't want you, they don't want you buying Bitcoin. They don't want that stuff happening. No. Um, they want as many obedient workers as possible to comply with whatever they tell you to comply with. And, um, you know, debt is the weapon that they um, do this to people with, right? Like if you're $100,000 in student loan debt, and you have a house and you, you over leveraged, you're over leveraged on your house, you have the family to take care of, and you got car payments to make, and you have all these other financial responsibilities and obligations, you're getting fucking vaccinated whether you want to or not. Yeah. And that's the truth.
0: Yeah. No, what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna to go into your employer and say, no, I'm not doing it? You're going to say, fire me. Fuck you. Go ahead and fire me. Watch what happens. All right, cool. They'll fire you. And then now all of a sudden, now you're underwater and everything. And they know that. They've known that they from know the that. very start
1: and a lot of these guys they don't have any real skills. They don't know how they would make it outside of being underwater like a bunch of them they probably grew up pretty wealthy. They grew up pretty comfortable. Some of these guys probably never got into a fist fight in their entire life. Like they can't live outside their suburban bubble with their HOA. They're complying. No matter how much they yell on Facebook or tw- or Twitter or whatever it is, you know, they're compl- they're going to comply. They're going to comply.
0: You're close to the people. And that's why I was really excited to talk with you because a, you know, I think if you wouldn't mind, just super quick, you know, you have this podcast called Conversations from the Pedicab. Conversations from so, the pedicab, yeah, yeah. So, like, you're having conversations with local Austin people, talking about topics that are really, in some way, shape, or form, controversial today, but that are really important. <laughs> and I think um, it's it's really awesome that you kind of have this almost like late night show, streetwalker kind of dialogue with people where you're really direct and you ask these questions that kind of Mm -hmm. put them on the spot, which I love, but I, you know, from somebody who's there having dialogue, I'm sure with all kinds of people all the time, you don't know who you're going to be speaking with. Well, I mean, I do because I rearrange the yeah, right? Yeah, no, for the podcast. (laughs) Yes. But when you're driving people around on the pedicab, I'm sure you're, you're coming across people of all walks of life. Right, right. All but I just turn my rap
1: song. I I, I just turn my rap songs. I'm like, yo, let
0: me, let me drop these low rap songs on you, bro. Let's. But like, do you get a sense that we're as divided and split as they kind of make it out, or do you seem to see people that all kind of have a very similar viewpoint on the situation at hand? That's a really tough question because
1: if you had asked me last summer, I would have said, no, we're not really that divided at all because I took a break from social media. And when I was out giving rides to people, everyone who was out in the pandemic kind of felt the same way I did. So I was like, no, everyone's really great. Everyone's real cool and real nice to me because all the people out were on the same level as me. Um, but now I'm starting to notice a little bit more of the division. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's, it's strange because like, a lot of people might not like a particular party or they might not like a particular person who is a face of that party, but they'll agree with me on like a lot of the same things, or they're doing the same things with me. It's like, you know, you voted for Biden and, you, and you're gonna continue voting for Biden, but you don't wanna get the vaccine and you're out getting drunk with no mask on, on six you in a pandemic.
0: How much of that is insecurity? Does that, does that, make, does that much, make sense, that like? Yeah, how, uh, how much of that is insecurity? right? Somebody that's I think a not, lot of it. it's not, sec- they're not secure in their own decision making, right? They know logically from living a life of experiences that, but maybe they vaccine, don't, but that's, a, but, well, but Justin,
1: they, maybe they don't. And a lot of people, uh, they're not, they don't have the time to look into it. Like me, like you and I have, or like Zach Moore or anybody else being able to look into things, being able to like actually do your independent research, being able to talk to different people of all walks of life outside of your own echo chamber is a luxury that not many people have. Sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. No, that I makes,
1: does that make, you know, like, so maybe yeah. everybody has different perspective on it. But I think generally speaking, like, when you talk to people, my whole thing is I try to, like, um, be really calm and empathetic and understanding when I do talk to people about different things, right? And I try to listen. And when I do post clips of, of guests, I always try to make every guest sound, like, I always try to post a clip where they're their best self on the podcast. Because you want to talk to a diverse audience, you don't want to be in an echo chamber. You want to go outside the fishbowl and really make this something that makes make this something that's worth listening to. That everybody gets to learn from on both sides of the aisle. You know,
0: mm-hmm. yep, no, a hundred percent. And i've I've noticed that in what you do share, you highlight people's strengths, you give them an opportunity to really share their opinions in a way that I think is valuable for other people who are watching. And you want to know something even crazier? Is that in
1: New York City a lot of these anti-vax, there are a bunch of anti-vax passport protests that you've been watching in New York City.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's mostly black people that are marching in those. Man, there's a there's a dark history there with vaccination. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. And it's like this whole, like, it's actually reshaping my outlook on BLM because, like, before um, the pandemic hit, I was pretty indifferent to it. I'm like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with saying Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know, uh, uh, black people have had a history of being treated like shit by the financial system by my police officers, like, we should fix this. One hundred percent, no doubt, no doubt about that. Yeah, you should. Pro disco. If you don't feel like this country has really served you, you go. You take a knee. You do whatever you want to do that that makes you express yourself as well as you can. Right? It's all about it. And then all of a sudden, uh, twenty twenty hits. You get a lockdown, and then all of a sudden, these same people were like destroying small businesses after they've been like shut down because of the virus. Um, and everything was getting. And everything that they were doing was getting completely hyped up by like big tech and and big media and Hollywood and every major institution and you know, you're not the resistance. If these people are hyping you up this much, you are actually the establishment. So I just felt like there was something very dark. There was some very dark undertones of what this movement was. And it was not about helping black people. It was about destabilizing the country. It was about destroying small businesses, it was about making people afraid to voice their own opinions because they didn't want to get attacked by a mob. Um, and it was also designed to like undermine the, ele- like, like the election in the middle of an election year. And they, th- and they succeeded in doing all of that. And so I looked at BLM a lot differently. But now that they're like protesting, or those- some of these leaders are protesting the Vax mandates, the Vax passports, like I'm starting to like, I really like that about them. You know, it makes well, me like I- want to be more supportive because they're
0: doing that. I think you're seeing the original things that you initially kind of agreed with, right? And it's like all yeah. movements. When movements start to gain traction and get bigger, grifters come along and attach themselves to it, and that's what you see, right? By the time it's on CNN and Fox News, it's already been, you know, taken hostage by grifters that want to use these movements for their own benefit and take away from what the initial desired uh you know, path was from people who are really trying to make change and solve problems that are affecting communities. And now that kind of limelight's passed and it's moved on, it's to the vaccines, it's to COVID. It's like, oh, well, all the people that were attaching themselves to the BLM movement, they've found something else to attach themselves to that's more relevant and recent in the news. And you're getting, I think, probably a much more true version of what that movement's about, which is what you initially Found to be valuable right
1: yeah i I did and I, I, and like here's the thing too man, like so i I never had any problems with any b l m protesters right 'cause i I was down, so you remember when that kid um uh, Garrett Foster got shot, you hear about that the kid this zantiba protester, he got shot, he had an a k forty seven last August, okay, they're marching, and some dude shot it right, I knew a bunch of those people that were protesting that night like. One of those guys went on my podcast. One of, and he also used to work at House, and he used to serve coffee to to to, to me and all the other pedicab drivers, like on the weekends. Like that guy was my friend. That guy was cool, right? And a whole bunch of the guys that were there, who I like knew for a minute, that were all real, that were nice people for the most part. We can get into how they were protesting and what they were trying to do, um, but for the most part, they're nice people. Um, and they told me that this guy just fucking opened fire. You know, and then like later I asked some more questions and they were like, well, he, it looked like he hit a pedestrian, but what really happened was the driver, he hit a parking cone, right? And because of every all the tension that was going on, a bunch of the protesters thought that he hit somebody. And so they surrounded the car because they thought he hit somebody. And one of the guys had his AK-47 with him. So the guy's like, oh, yo, I'm a, I'm a staff sergeant in the, in the, in the army or Marines or whatever it is. I'm not playing around. He just opened fire when that guy had his gun, and then he and then he bounced, and then he turned himself in and explained what happened. Right. So I was there, like like I I didn't see it, but I heard I heard the gunshots like a block away, right? And I was asking people what went down. They're like, Yo, man, that guy just fucking came in and drove out and just started opening fire, and he just shot these people and just shot at people, right? Um, but what was I what was I saying? Right, like, um. I I, I taught so but anyway, like I've talked to a few of these people, right? And they're like like the regular grassroots people that are protesting, like, they don't want vaccine passports either, man. Like a lot of the, they, they don't want that stuff. Right? They just they just think that the system has failed them. And that that's it. And and they just think that this is the approach to help bring about real change.
0: Yeah, I mean, systems failed a lot of us. I think it's a lot of people, right? Almost everybody, right? And I think Austin's a really interesting it's a, it's a really interesting place when you think about you know you've got this mix with a very liberal city inside of a very conservative gun-wielding state and a lot of people moving there it's kind of the new Hollywood right people are leaving LA by the by the thousands and heading a lot heading directly to Austin and so you can almost look at Austin as a indicator of where the rest of the country's probably going. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, But I know that it's got me paying a lot of attention to Austin a lot more than I initially ever did. And I have some other reasons to kind of have interest down in that area. But, you know, what do you see as the kind of the best thing Austin has that the rest of this country could kind of adapt, and maybe what do you see as a, a negative that's come out of this situation that we should all be very cautious and concerned about
1: um I think the best thing about Austin is how free and accepting it is it's like it's the most free and accepting city I've ever been to. Uh, you could be any race, gender, color, you could be like. Trans, you can do whatever the hell you want. No one's gonna sit around judging you. And you could kind of express almost any political ideology that you want to express without really being without feeling threatened about doing so. Um, and you might not think so because oh, it's just liberal bubble and all of this is whatever, right? But like I make rap songs about right-wing conspiracy theories that I play for almost all my customers. I I dialed the back a little bit now because all the Biden voters are coming out and the the, you know it's a little bit different and people i think are just burnt out on politics right but i was playing that for like over a year and changed right probably close to two years justin and like 90 percent of the reaction i had everybody was like positive people were like laughing about it and enjoying it and all that stuff and you know like austin's a liberal city but alex jones still has his headquarters in austin alex jones has been keeping austin weird longer than most people have lived in this city right so there is like in a, there is a lot of like like free thought and open dialogue um and the willingness to want to like explore new information that's not broadcast on a mainstream news outlet is still very prevalent in Austin, and that's like a really cool thing about the city despite what people think of, despite what people think or say like I feel very accepted saying what I want to say and how I want to say it, and without real horrible fears of judgment mm-hmm. so I think that's actually great and, and if I lived in in New York City, I couldn't say any of this shit, and if I lived in like some small, you know, bumfuck town in rural America that was like ultra conservative. There's also a lot of stuff I couldn't say either without being like looked at and made to feel like a pariah as well. Right.
0: Oh, I, that's where I grew up, you know, in a, in a small northwestern Pennsylvania town. And I look back and see some of the the very limited thought process that goes into that because you have limited experiences. You don't have the ability to to see a whole lot of diversity. And that does impact you, whether you realize it or not and i think we have to also be aware of that you know when we're looking at this country and how people are divided there has to be a level of i think you said it really well at the beginning there has to be a level of empathy when you're talking to people who have different of opinion from you because there is a reality that their experiences are much different than yours and it doesn't mean that they're always going to be correct in how they view things but i think if we can put ourselves in their shoes even a little bit it certainly helps understand where they're coming from, and I think you're able to get to common ground quicker. And you know, you're able to exchange ideas that you both may be able to learn from. You know,
1: yeah. I mean, listen, if if I'm hypothetically in like Lano, Texas, like how many people living in Lano want to talk like want to talk about Bitcoin adoption, right? You know what I mean? Like how many people in like um in the middle of East Texas, somewhere, somewhere out in the country, you know, want, want are going to support legal weed, or even going to defend a woman's right to have an abortion if she wants to, right? Like, so there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of stuff in Austin that they're really open. It's a pretty um it's pretty open to both sides of the argument, uh, in a lot of ways, Justin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it sounds no, I... like so that that's actually a really good thing about Austin, um, and it's <coughs> it's hard to see that. Because um, our political leaders are trying to um, eradicate that. Our, our our political leaders in, like, City Hall are trying to eradicate that diversity with everything they do and everything they say and the weaponization of activists to um, get certain things out that nobody wants.
0: So give me EGD, a little bit of... Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I, okay,
1: so you want to know what the worst thing about Austin is? I'm
0: yes. gonna I'm gonna give it to you really straight.
1: Yeah. The please. politicians. The politicians in Austin are the worst thing about the city. Um. They, you know, when you look at what they did with the homeless, with, with how they defunded the police department, uh, when you look at how they did the lockdowns, like basically, like our mayor
0: governs like a Chinese oligarch. So I got a question about that because my understanding, and please tell me how I heard him. It may have been on Rogan or it was somewhere that I heard him, and he he really kind of kind of passed the buck around how Austin is set up differently, and the mayor doesn't have any authority or any more authority than anybody else on the city council. Can you? Is there any truth to that? Because it sounded to yeah, me like it is I was, true. That is, sus- that is I true. I was somewhat suspicious as to the answer because it seemed like it that was. Is, a great- that is. That is true.
1: Um, it's true in a lot of ways, but it's all. But he's also omitting a lot of stuff, right? Yes. So um, we have a council-manager city, which means that um, you, the mayor can issue executive orders, um, and in order for any like law of any uh, item to be made into a law, it has to have a majority vote, right? um me you know and then the city manager deals with a lot of the expenses and hiring certain people and you know doing and, and that's and certain administrative stuff right but um you have a 10-person council and then the mayor and whoever gets majority votes dictate whatever happens right um but during this virus the mayor got a lot more emergency powers to start doing things unilaterally just like a lot of other mayors a lot of other cities Um, and our mayor is also very big on trying to get unanimous consent for everything he puts out. And, um, the entirety of our, our, um, our mayor is also, also has a lot of, um, influence in terms of like, he has a lot of money. He's got $300 million at least in assets, right? Like our mayor is very wealthy. He's very much tied into big real estate. He's very much tied into like, mainstream um dnc politics right um and so he has a lot of influence in terms of like what gets put out in the news and what gets put out on social media and he has a lot of influence in terms of manufacturing consent to get certain people into office and so basically like the majority of our council is like a monolith of what mayor adler thinks um, when they allowed the homeless to camp wherever they want, every th- that, that vote was unanimous by the entire city council. I think.
0: maybe one person disagreed. Yeah that blows my mind. That was the big change when i I first started going to Austin almost ten years ago, and it was for software. I, w- I would go out to Barton Creek for <laughs> conferences, and then I'd go downtown, and it was such a cool city. You didn't see any homeless people, very few. And then when I started to go back for some business that I have there with action, it was like just mind-blowing. I had been to LA a lot because I have family that live in Southern California. And I was like, man, Austin is, it's certainly kind of like heading in that direction. There was people everywhere. And then when I was back last, uh, it was in 2020 in September, kind of after the pandemic almost kind of started to pick back up again, I was walking around in downtown Austin and I had people, giving me stares that I didn't have a mask on outside and nobody seemed to give a shit that every 20 feet you were being stopped and harassed by homeless people. Wait, people were staring at you because you're not having a mask. Did you not see the mask I was,
1: I've been wearing (laughs) pedicabbing.
0: Is it the wrestling mask?
1: Yeah. I wore that like all throughout the virus. Is that what that's about? Yeah. Fucking fighting COVID bro. That's why I had a mask on. But, yo, dude, I, I've been wearing that mask, like, all COVID long, right, when I've been on the bike. And nobody's ever really talked shit to me about that mask. So that's another testament to the fact that, like, people in Austin are actually um, a lot more accepting than people would lead you to believe. Yeah. Right? So it's like, I, I wore that mask. Um, they had a hearing, like, a little meeting to try to find out who the new police chief was going to be. And it was like, they wanted, they were recommending or maybe even requiring masks. And I'm friends with like Mackenzie Kelly. She's a district six council member recently got elected. Right. And I walk in there with my captain America mask on because I'm just like, if I like the person who I want to be with my new police chief is somebody that better, better fucking not enforce this COVID bullshit. So this is the perfect test to see if they really like, you know, respect what the fact that we live in the United States here, you know what I mean? And people were loving it. People were cracking up laughing, even like the, the uh, um, there were a couple of BLM activists and the homeless advocates that were there. And they were like, what's up, bro? They were like, give me daps and stuff. Like nobody <laughs> gives a shit about this at all. <laughs> oh, man. That's- nobody cares about this at all. They, they like make it out like it's a big divisive thing. But when you're in person, they don't give a fuck about this mask. They, they really don't. That, that's what's kind of crazy about this.
0: It is a, it's a very very odd and peculiarly peculiar situation. They
1: all know I'm not vaccinated. They all know I'm not getting the shot. No one's yelling at me. No one's like saying I, I can't associate with you or XYZ. Like people have still been just as cool with me as before, right? At least to my knowledge.
0: Yeah, I haven't noticed anybody at least in my circles being like personally upset with you. What I've noticed is it's just it's again like the people who are like, well, yeah, but you know, my my work's saying I need to get it. And so I'm just going to do it, you know, like I, I probably should do it anyways. And they, they make these justifications for themselves, but I yeah. haven't had anybody that's like, you're a bad person because you're not getting it. And I'm not going to associate with you or, you know, I've, I've had some family members that I've probably cut off a while ago who have those opinions, but I'm not around them anymore anyway. So I can't tell you. Yeah.
1: I, I, uh, my sister's a little finicky about it, but I haven't seen my sister in like years because, uh, well, a COVID and B she's in Philadelphia, right? And I've never been like super close with her anyway. But like, whatever, dude. It, it's what it is. I mean, um, mm. it, it's what it is. It, it's ultimately, it's it's you do what you think is the best decision for you and your loved ones to help protect them and keep them safe. And everybody's threshold about what they want to do and what's worth for them is going to be different, and that's that's how the world works, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, I I guess I don't understand how we live in this world. I'm like. To me, I'm like, okay, if this is how we're supposed to respond to things that are really bad and dangerous, well, we should start responding this way to a whole lot of other things then too. You know, like to me, that's the thing where if you really buy into it hook, line and sinker, where is this thought process on, I could give you 20 different things that you should yeah, have the same, t- you know, like what about the all the, the clean drinking water in Africa? I mean, we could we could print trillions of dollars and solve clean drinking water in Africa, Thousands and thousands of people die every year, but you can't manipulate the masses in, in, around the world because of people that are dying of starvation or dirty drinking water. You can't do that. Well, because the news media isn't running um, articles left and right about trying to um, create a narrative. Well, yeah, but it also, there's, they're not going to make you wear a mask or get a vaccine to solve that problem. So it's kind of like you can feel bad about it, but you're not going to be able to change the world completely this whole situation, it's fucking hysterical, a virus, but it's the perfect, it is the perfect Trojan horse. I mean, if you really want to go there, it's the perfect Trojan horse to kind of nudge everything in the direction that everybody really wanted it to go, but that the old system would not quite let go of. And now- Yeah, well, it's a way to change the
1: world completely. I'm sorry uh, for interrupting you, but it is the way to change the world completely into a a place where uh, a group of Technocratic elites have instead of 80% control of things, they have a hundred percent control of things. Mm -hmm. It's literally the nudge. I posted something on Instagram about it today. Like um, Dr. Fauci and a whole bunch of other scientists had a summit, a health summit, in October of 2019 about how vaccines and viruses are like the way to dismantle the system and, and usher in something, um usher in a digital tracking system that that's similar to what they're trying to implement right now. Like this has been planned for years. Well, you're not even allowed to say that though, Alex. I mean, well, not if you post facts and just say, "Hey, this is what's happening. Can you explain what this video is?" Like literally, this is people talking about that right off the bat.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a interesting series of photos my brother sent me. I'll forward them to you. You've probably actually seen them, but it's it's like six or seven people who when Trump announced that he was going to get this vaccine and it was going to come really quick and all these people were like never take the vaccine. This poison from big pharma, like you dude, it's hysterical. And then you, somebody took a screenshot then, and then they have a screenshot of the tweets now where they're like, if you don't go and get the vaccine, you're killing people, like completely doing a 180. And it's only because of the side of the, of the aisle where the, you know, push is coming from now. And like, to me that it's, it's so telling, you know, it's, uh, it's um very if trump
1: had gotten reelected, nobody would be getting vaccinated um
0: oh. you you would not have
1: any vax mandates at all because they would they, they would just constantly like the entire mainstream media would be picking apart that vaccine mm-hmm. and they would just use it to justify more lockdowns it would it would just be a whole different type of narrative that they would try to put out
0: yeah no exactly being able to manipulate the setup
1: yeah i i 100 have no doubt in my mind that that's what would happen um but I think, yeah, look, there are positives to this. And it's a lot more people are waking up to things than they would have in the past.
0: Yeah, no, I don't disagree.
1: Um, and I think that a lot of states are um, doing measures to kind of limit the influence that Joe Biden can have on their municipality and their area.
0: Do you have any, what, what examples do you have of that?
1: Um, Texas banning vaccine passports and they're in a special session right now. To, um, to kind of make stricter legislation against that type of stuff. Um, the state of Idaho passed something that can jail an employer if they try to mandate your vaccination status. Look at what Ron DeSantis is doing in Florida. Um, a bunch of Southern states are doing the same thing. They're basically like, there's 26 different states that are trying to sue the Biden administration because of the employer requirement. There's a lot of stuff that's happening. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening where people are pushing back. Um, Nebraska basically made it uh, try, nullified the IRS reporting reporting requirement that Biden is trying to push through in his um, infrastructure plan through a policy directive so there's a lot of stuff that people are trying that people are doing to fight pushback which is good people are going to the school board meetings and trying to like speak up against the mask mandates and all that stuff like a lot of the stuff there is a lot of good stuff that there is a lot of good pushback happening from certain parts of the country but there are also a lot of other parts of the country where it's just they're just gonna let it happen and enable it. And if anything, they want to make it even more um draconian. Yeah.
0: It's pretty obvious at this point he's gonna run again, <clears throat> right? Trump's gonna run for president, and I think he's probably got a good chance of winning, unless But somebody- I don't think he should I don't think I think Ron
1: DeSantis should be is a much better choice, right? Like I don't think Trump yeah. should uh I think Trump did his thing and I think he should he should step aside and let somebody like Ron DeSantis um Take the reins.
0: Well, that's an inter- it's interesting, right? Because they've been they've been buddies through this whole setup, and it's I almost wonder if we'll see uh, a Trump DeSantis ticket, right? Trump's gonna his ego's too big; he's not going to step aside for anybody. He wants that's re-
1: fine. If you get Trump and DeSantis, that's fine too. I'm cool with that. But I want DeSantis in the White House, right? Like if you don't get that, like that's the only way to save America is to have someone like that in the White House. I I think at this point,
0: I think he's when you look at the response to COVID across all of the States, it's hard to argue that Florida did it wrong. Right. And there's a lot, there's a lot of fucking shit you can say about Florida and people in Florida, but he's been very, very steadfast, very calm, very logical. And uh, yeah, man, I don't, I wouldn't have a problem with him. My concern is something that I really pushed back on early on. Cause I was, I was all in man. I was like Trump, 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 but I didn't I didn't really account for regardless of his opinions and his outcome the effect that he had polarizing people and it has in my estimation created a lot of what we're seeing today. In despite of him being correct in what he said and in a lot of cases how he did it, I can't really second guess how he went about it, but I think it's probably a good representation of why other presidents who have been conservative haven't pushed the envelope as far because a they have their own special interests at hand but they also understood that this could get very very polarizing and he's just not going to back away from that. I hey, listen,
1: f- he's a much better choice than Joe Biden like 100%. Yeah, Right? I mean, like,
0: we're watching just the our, the whole house of cards is falling apart right now.
1: Yeah. Which is not necessarily the worst thing in the world cuz at least people get to see everything for what it is right um and hopefully in 2022 they pass better voting reg- regulations like in 2022 because of what they did with the voting stuff you can see you'll see a you know, you're gonna see and i, I told, I actually had some very super left-wing people on my podcast before the election and i told them that like you know listen what you don't understand about about trump in in uh if you don't re-elect trump uh like real like the best way to destroy like somebody like donald trump right? or destroy Trumpism is to actually just let him get reelected and surface four years out. Because if you don't, and Biden um, fucks the country up because these neoliberal politicians will fuck up the country through a multitude of reasons. um, Not only are you going to get somebody like Trump a lot worse and possibly more like with authoritarian tendencies, but you're going to get an entire um, army of mini Donald Trumps running for local offices. That's so tough. you're going to get like somebody like that to just multiply it. You're going to get someone like that to just completely multiply itself, which to a point where you'll never be able to get rid of it. But if you just get rid of it, if you just let them serve as one thing right now, you'll get a divided house, divided Senate, nothing's going to happen. And then the, the democratic party could like revamp itself to actually do what it's supposed to do. And I was trying to tell people like that and people didn't want to come around and listen to that in any capacity. And it was frustrating, but this is what's happening. And this is what's going to happen is you're going to see like, you're going to see an army of mini Donald Trumps take over the the Congress and the Senate, and like all your local state houses.
0: What's the next? I mean, is there another Donald Trump coming? I mean, think about this, right? Four years before he ran for president, I don't think a whole lot of us would have seen this coming. Right. So I tend to think we're, what is that moment going to be in six years or eight years? Who's that person going to be? And is, is that the direction we're going to go? Or are we going you know, to re, are we going to rebalance out and regulate because of
1: That's the, more no, not, not until we go way more to the right, but not, not not what's happening. Like, and you don't need another Donald Trump because you have a thousand Donald Trumps that are going to take offices in a whole bunch of
0: capacity. No, but I'm saying like, is it going to be even on the left, right? It it could be Jay-Z or The Rock. Like I, I truly do. I see this going further in the direction of non-politician and outsider, especially after this fuck up from Joe Biden. Because I think there's a lot of people with celebrity on the left that really want to take oh, the opportunity to do what Trump did on the right. Maybe, but we'll, I mean, a
1: lot of people are so awake to like the, um, the DNC and who they are. So if you start getting, if the rock starts getting propped up by CNN and MSNBC and all these big major news networks, like, there, it's he, you're
0: going to be the same as just every other dnc politician. Does he need to that's my point like look at the kind of the model that trump took right he kind well, of like bernie Sanders. well they did that with bernie sanders but the dnc is
1: so corrupt they didn't even give him a chance to win his primary
0: yeah i think somebody like the rock has way more push than bernie sanders way more leverage. bernie
1: sanders was picking was packing stadiums
0: um and joe biden
1: couldn't fill a gymnasium and yet joe biden uh demolished him in the primary which kind of makes me think that maybe like the dnc has a history of rigging elections bro like that's kind of weird
0: was it your page that i was watching the lady from california like the old lady that went to the um camino yes. the she went to the fucking high school to vote and they're like you already yeah vote-
1: and you already voted yeah yeah
0: i mean dude i, I- I mean, obviously, I'm not there, so unless she's, she's like, some paid actress, which she definitely didn't seem like she was a paid actress. That's so now, concerning, right? This stuff does happen once in a while, and a lot
1: of times, you could also understand, like, hey, human error can also lead to, like, one or two instances of human error could also, like, weaponize conspiracy theories to yeah. perpetuate. There's that, but it's also, like... 80% voting by mail doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no need to do that. If you're going to vote, go vote in person. We have two weeks, three weeks in some places to vote early. You don't need to mass mail and vote unless it's an emergency. That's what mail-in voting was supposed to be for, for an absolute emergency. I don't understand. Like, the fact that they're trying to make that a, a pan- controversy. we in a
0: pandemic, Alex.
1: It was an emergency. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Not anymore, though. Not anymore. Now we're good. We're fine. If we have 70% of a vaccination rate, right... And a bunch of these elites are walking around maskless while the help has to wear their masks. It's not an emergency anymore. You can vote in person. You can social distance. You can get yourself spaced out. People are going to work. Cities and states are open. You can go vote in person, dude.
0: That's ridiculous. So here's a question that I want to pose to you because I don't doubt for a second that there's voter fraud going on. I fucking worked the homecoming election when I was in 11th grade and I know that shit was all fucking rigged. So humans have a tendency to to tamper and interfere where they shouldn't interfere. So you'll never convince me that that's not going on on either side. I wonder though, is there more of an incentive when you think about like, what is the percentage? And you might know this, like what's the percentage of adults that can legally vote who do legally, who do go and vote.
1: I think we had like 60% uh, voter turnout this past presidential election,
0: which is pretty hot, which is insanely high. Yeah. That's a lot higher than I would have thought because, but but dude, where I'm going just really quick with this is that yeah. there's a there's there's enough people who don't vote who if you to me if you wanted to sway an election it'd be a lot easier to just spend your money finding ways to incentivize the people who were never going to go to the poll and who don't give two shits to like figure out a way to get them to go and vote for the person that you want then it would be to just go did? and risk like, trying to change some eighty year old lady's vote that would go and vote for the opposing party, not that that's not happening, but I would just think that you'd be you'd have better ability to get a larger number of people with just you know the forty percent who aren't voting. bro, what the fuck do you think we did during this whole pandemic? That's what we literally did
1: this whole virus. um Look man, I guarantee you like eighty percent of the people that voted for Joe Biden. I'm throwing out a number hypothetically. They they were not enthusiastic about it. There was like they were literal settle for Biden campaigns. You know what I mean? Like I had friends that were like, yeah, you know, I, I don't really think Biden's that. I don't like Joe Biden, but I voted for him just because there's no other choice.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's where I'm giving. There was at a because, lot of that. You know, I've had Zach on here, and he's he fully believes that, like, you know, fucking George Soros literally and four other people like ran some sort of virus into the the Dominion machines, and they. <laughs> they, I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe we're living in a villain movie, but I just, I tend to believe that. And it's just from my experience working in business that you don't have to do anything other than throw a couple of wrenches in the spokes and it'll start to set the machine unravel. Yeah. It's just, that's how you do things, you so, don't know? So here's the thing, right? Um,
1: I think that the majority of our, um, elections were extremely safe and extremely secure, right? I think in 95 plus percent of all counties, we had really secure elections. But when you're in a, um, all it takes is like four counties in a swing state where the county clerk hates a person, has an unbridled amount of hatred towards one person, uh, and you have voting machines that can very easily be hacked as college professors and whatnot have repeatedly demonstrated before Congress and they were launching inquiries about voting machines and the safety of them in 2020 before uh, the virus even started these were democrats launching these inquiries it is definitely within reason to speculate that we didn't have a fair a fully fair election that's indicative of or in which the result is indicative of how people actually voted because if you look at a map right of, of the counties that voted for trump and biden if you if you did paint red and blue on a map the majority like 90 plus percent of the the United States map would be red.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's population centers that are driving the majority. Yeah. Of-
1: and so, like, all, listen, man, if the, if the county clerks in Detroit hate Donald Trump to absolutely no end, and you have mass mail-in ballots, and you have a Democratic Party that will do anything they can to get rid of this guy because there li- literally is a New World Order type agenda. I hate saying this because it sounds like a conspiracy nut, but that's what, that's literally kind of, what is happening with the um, the Vax passports and the and the requirements, the digital identification, um, and the um, trying to get the FBI to like you know um, investigate people at school board meetings and look at based like really go after you based on your search history and if you have more than six hundred dollars in your bank account, like there is definitely a, a very um, nefarious agenda that's going on. Um, and hey, listen there's no better person to carry that out than somebody who doesn't know what the hell they're doing so who right does that make sense like yeah, there's no, no better I, person to carry that than somebody who's than somebody with dementia who um is not able to make their own decisions yeah
0: now he is he's completely lost all faculties it's very sad yeah to watch. it I, is but like this
1: is why it's happening like that that that's like from a common sense perspective this is why a lot of this stuff seems to be happening the way in which it's happening so yeah like if they did an investigation and uncovered that massive amounts of voter fraud took place in like Maricopa County, which they kind of did, um, in Detroit, you know, in uh, 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 in Philadelphia, I would not be surprised by that. Like, I in any, I would not be surprised.
0: Who do you? Th- I mean, not the. I'll try to figure out how I ask this. Who benefit? Like, who benefits at the at the end? Like, who? I know a lot of people benefit and a lot of people take advantage hey, of the way. Justin, wave.
1: real quick. Yeah.
0: My phone's like 8%. So if I cut off to just understand why, but keep on. Good. Yeah. So who benefits from this, right? I know a lot of people benefit along the way, but like, is there that George Soros type character, the the Dr. Evil type character that's sitting somewhere that really benefits from this the most and is a driving force to continuing this direction of, you know, mayhem that we're going in? Uh tough question. I think that
1: like, you know, honestly it's easy to scapegoat people like Bill Gates and George Soros and those types of guys. Right. And they definitely they they definitely have their hand in the cookie jar in a lot of ways. But I really think it's the guys that you don't even talk about that are the ones that are really benefiting from it. You know, like the fact that people are even talking about Bill Gates and George Soros probably means that they're not even all that important if people are talking about them. If that makes sense
0: no oh, definitely
1: um i do think that like all right well look, look look what's happening with um with the currency right the more you do lockdowns the more you um issue stimulus money the more you do the infrastructure package where you print trillions of dollars um uh, the more you spend on defense that has nothing to do with defense also which we, which republicans did in 2019 under trump the more you devalue our currency, right? When you devalue the currency, you know who benefits from these um, stimulus packages the most? The ultra wealthy. Because when you devalue currency and you don't have sound money, the only thing that is going to go up in value for sure are going to be assets like stocks and land and real estate and uh, Bitcoin and all these things, right? Mm -hmm. So the more we do this stuff, the more the elites and the ultra wealthy consolidate their assets that's all that this this will do and it will just create trickle of poverty right and the more money you print out and listen there, there's no better way to justify printing out more money and consolidating well than to use social justice and public health as a, a means to do it
0: yeah it's a it's a super smart way to
1: go about yeah, it it's truly smart it's the smartest thing in the world it's the most diabolical evil genius shit ever right but that's what they're that, that's what it seems like they're doing, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, your dollar isn't worth anything um everyone's in mountains of debt um banks are buying up a bunch of real estate um you know people are not able to buy a home, but um people are uh people are making it's it's becoming harder and harder for people to like start companies and do innovation, and it's also becoming harder uh and also these um the mandates are, are creating more of an intrusion on people's lives well you just centralized you know a, a group of like the the 1% or the 0.001% like the the CEOs of Twitter, Microsoft, you know you got Bill Gates, you got Soros, you got Les Wexner, you have um the president of the IMF, you have Klaus Schwab, you have um Jacob Rothschild, you have the CEOs of all the big banks, right? Like you have the head, the head of Pfizer, you just have a conglomeration of multi mega billionaire, even Elon Musk, right? Like you have a conglomeration of just mega billionaires that just have all the power and all the influence in the world to regulate everything that they want to regulate. It's just, it's, 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 it's megalomaniacal, um, how in which they're going about it. So like, yeah, was it like George Soros? No, it's just like, it's just like a big club of mega billionaires that want to consolidate everything for themselves. And they want, um, a stranglehold on the information that's presented to them. And they want to have a, they, they want all the influence pedal
0: to be what they want to get put out. You've got me thinking about something and it actually brings us full circle. Um, we started this conversation out talking about China and Zoom, and you know, I think you nailed it. Right? It's it's not just one person, but it's the ultra wealthy who are in a pretty tight circle, and they probably you know they all know what the others are doing. And uh, when you start thinking about money and ultra wealthy people and investments, there's always a tie back to China.
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think that a lot of people are already so disenfranchised with um, how their lives have turned out because of outsourcing of jobs back in the seventies and the eighties. Um, you know, going to war in Iraq, the housing crisis collapsing, the financial crisis, people being lied to by the government by by their education to go into debt for something that um, they're never going to pay off, and, and you're trapped into like a life of poverty, right? Then you have kids that are raised in single the influence of single parent homes um you know kids are the the, the gmos and the poison the food the 50 plus shots you got to take before you turn five years old that can have all types of neurological effects and you like you have a literal conglomeration of things just being clumped together um that is just dismantling um our faith in the system and our sense of self-worth and you know this whole thing like. It, it wasn't just one thing that did all of this. It's, this, this is like trying to – they're trying to make this like the final straw where people just give up and hate America and hate what we represent. And you know, you're you trying to create as much misery, a bunch of misery, as much misery, as much anger, as much despair, and as much distrust as possible so that you can get people to voluntarily not only accept but embrace and beg for global fascism is what's happening.
0: Is there, is there any way to save
1: it? Uh, is there any way to save it? I don't know. I think you got to focus on saving yourself and you have to save the people around you and you have to do everything, everything that you can to put yourself in a position where you're not dependent on the system. Like the system is not all like super horrible in every single capacity, right? Like you still need banks, you need schools, you need, there are like, you know, like Facebook and Twitter and all these companies that I talk about and shit about still serve their purpose. Like we're literally going to put a clip of this on Instagram, right? Like on the tech platforms to get information out, but people need to, um, not be too reliant on it. Like, like people need to figure out a way to like, Hey, let me divest a little bit and not be fully dependent on the system. Maybe I'm like 50% in the system instead of a hundred percent of the system. I think that's, that's the way you don't opt out completely, but you just, you have an option to like, you know, Hey, you can get one foot out the door a little bit and be okay. Or you can go in, in one door and out the other and take your turn between going into the system and out of the system. And I think that's the ideal approach, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and there's also a lot of good things that are happening from this virus too, that I didn't even bring up, right? This is a pretty doom and gloom podcast, which I don't like doing, (laughs) but, um, small town life is going to boom because of this potentially. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't want to live in big cities uh, I think a lot of people are going to want to buy like land in small towns and get away from things. And I think that when that happens, and I think a lot of people are working from home, so I think a lot of you're going to have certain people that are just going to be able to say, "Hey, man, listen, I'm moving like an hour away from my big city. My cost of living is going to be cheaper. I'm going to be out in nature. I'm going to go to the little coffee shop, work on what I got to do. And hey,
0: if enough people with
1: money come to us, go to a smaller town. Hey, man, I could open up a bar. I could open up a restaurant. Like you can get a whole economy going." because of of this type of stuff
0: can i play devil's advocate for you yeah could that be also the way to permeate more of these ideas that uh aren't in small town into small town to take over i yeah it
1: could but um you're also look i think i think it's, it's possible but i also think that uh the more people that you can enfranchise and empower to be financially on point and responsible and successful, the more you can create an economic boom, the better people are communicating with each other. Positive things.
0: I I agree with you, by the way, I was just kind of throwing that out there. I, I tend to believe that a city like Austin to all the points that you laid out, it's why I fell in love with it. The first few times that I went there and even considering some of the shit that might be going wrong under mayor Adler's watch, Still a city that I love to get back to, right? But and that and that's the beauty of it. He didn't fuck it up completely
1: yet. Right? Like it's still amazing. It's still an amazing city in spite of the people in our council. And let's let's bring this back because I'm my my phone is at uh where where my phone is pretty low, okay, right now. Yeah, yeah. Um so uh here's what my problem with the homeless thing was, okay? And it had really almost nothing to do with the actual homeless people, okay. My problem with it had to do with the fact that it was killing the small businesses and the bars and the restaurant and the people that work there because of the amount of uh, vagrants that you've had, yeah. you know, infesting the city, right? So it's like, if you see a bunch of crackheads everywhere on downtown Austin, right? Like, yo, and you're a little older and you can't defend yourselves, well, or you're a female, you're going to want to park your car on like 4th Street or 5th Street or 6th Street or 2nd Street. Like, hell no, you're not going to go downtown. And if you don't go downtown, you're not spending money at the restaurant. You're not spending money at the restaurant. You're not, restaurant. You're not taking a pedicab. You know what I'm saying? That's, that was where my concern was. It was economic. And then you also had um, our, a mayor who shut down a bunch of small businesses, closed, closed bars, closed restaurants, wanted things to stay closed. Um, and you didn't put any money into those small businesses so that they can stay closed safely. Instead, you just put tens of millions of dollars into homeless services. And half of that money is not even accounted for right now. So like the whole thing that the city is doing with the homeless, it's it's just a really slick way for them to money launder, and that's what I that's when when I had um I had like the former head of the Echo Austin Echo in on my pedicab, and I told her about that. I'm like, listen, the homeless people don't bother me. in Any capacity, we should be helping them, um, and there are a multitude of things that you could do to help them. There's a literal worker shortage. We could just be getting you could be training people to work at bars and restaurants. These guys need workers desperately. We could do that and, and reduce this. Problem immensely, but um, if you do that, well, then you don't need as much money. Uh, the city doesn't need as much money. Mu- you know, you don't need as much money for these services, and then you know, thirty million. It's, it's a lot harder to have thirty million dollars go unaccounted for.
0: You know, like does that make sense? Like, oh, definitely. You know, I I've had these types of conversations about a number of different things. Why, you know, people are very hesitant to create the solutions to the problems that put money in their pocket.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. And the, let's talk about the cop stuff first, too. Because you know that
0: they defunded the police and did all that stuff, right? Yeah. And didn't Governor Abbott say, kind of combat that a little bit by saying, if you're going to defund the, the police in the city of Austin, we're going to kind of have more state police in and around the area. First, and yeah. And, that, and that's like a problem, taxes. too. But
1: Governor Abbott's, Governor Abbott's fucking useless. He's useless in so many ways. Okay. Right? He's just, he's a mouthpiece. He's In a lot of ways, he's just useless. Um, but um what happens you need to fund police departments at a local level is you ultimately um make it so that this they have to rely on like state policing and if that doesn't work you have to you have to rely on federal a uh, federal standard of policing so when you do that and crime starts increasing which it will in a lot of a lot of places especially in the city that's growing like austin um you're gonna need a solution and um what what what's been happening in other cities like in baltimore maybe in minneapolis is they've been trying to like not put money into local departments but they've asked for like federal agents and federal police officers to come help this rectify the situation so defunding the way that they're defunding could ultimately lead to like the police force being nationalized and federalized and which everybody will do that. so dangerous dangerous. yeah and you think things are corrupt now wait till that happens yeah um isn't that's that how we, we turn into Australia or or any of these other countries that are becoming super Nazi, like with the virus. And that, that's just one example. But when you federalize a police force, that's how they federalized the police in Germany in the thirties.
0: Well, you, you see that it's, you're cutting off your nose in spite of your face. Somebody's really reaching out and saying, Hey, we need federal resources. So we acknowledge that we need law and order, but we are so embarrassed to go back and, you know, have egg on our face by saying, we we need the police who we said we didn't need. So it's Well, Justin, that's because it's not
1: problem. about that Justin, that's because it's not about stopping racism or, or fighting for social justice. It's it's literally like a another slick way to become more authoritarian. And another thing that they can do too is hey man, why have police and you could have uh, why have racist police and you could have um anti-racist, non-binary and gender-neutral security cameras on every street corner.
0: Yeah, and then we will be like China, you know, <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. Hurt. Jaywalk and then have your bank account hit for a fine before you even get to your destination. Yes, and uh, I think we just lost Alex, and so it's a good way to to tie this off. I I couldn't have been more happy to have him on. It's uh, a different a different interview for me. I've never uh, I haven't had a conversation with somebody that's sitting out on the street, which uh, I guess is. It's probably like the best way to have a conversation with him since that he is a pedicab driver and uh, he has his conversations, convos from the pedicab uh, in a very similar situation. So in a very similar setup, but um, make sure you follow Alex on social media and uh, his page is at the Alex Stranger, S-T-R-E-N-G-E-R, S-T-R-E-N-G-E-R. Yeah, that's correct. And, uh, yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. Thanks everybody.